All right, we are in this season of Advent, and we are looking forward and longing for the actual day of Christmas to come. Uh, excited that you're here with us to join us in that, in that, that adventure and journey of longing for when Christmas comes. And, you know, th- this whole thing of what Advent is, right, that Advent means coming or arrival— And that we are in this then period of longing for the coming and arrival of Jesus. Remembering that the the Israelites went through that period for them of longing for him to come the first time. But now we long for him to come again, right? And and today we're going to talk about how as that builds and as that anticipation keeps increasing, when he comes, it's just the ultimate expression of joy, and today is all about that, that joy. And it reminds me of, uh, I don't know how many of you, I think we've talked about this some, but as a kid or have watched your kids do the whole Advent calendar thing, right? And uh, for me, when I was a kid, I just got so excited because every day, and it almost didn't even matter to me what the Advent calendar thing was. It just meant it was one day closer to jackpot, right? One day closer to Christmas morning. And that's what I wanted. That's what it was like, get me there. We had this one thing, it was, uh, we still have it in our house now, but it was just a Christmas tree. It's almost like a flannel graph kind of thing, like a fancy flannel graph. And you would take, it would have these 24 pockets in two rows. And you would take out of the pocket this little ornament and stick it onto this tree. Uh, and I remember every single day just going and being so excited. But I remember one of the best days was day 13. Because that meant second row. We've gotten, you know, we're halfway there. All right, let's get there. Let's get to jackpot. You know, for me, it wasn't about Jesus. It was about jackpot. So we got to make sure that, you know, for us, we're checking that. But that anticipation building and building. And maybe you've had some of that. But when we get into really what Advent means, and we've had this Advent wreath here uh, for us, and for us just to be reminded of what all of this means. It's not something that's been always a part of our practice, but what we love is it's this period of longing and waiting and remembering. And so the wreath, it's a circle, right? It's a circle because that reminds us, it all has symbolism, okay? That reminds us of God himself, his eternity, his endless mercy, no beginning, no end. The wreath is green because it represents new life, that we are a new creation, that we have life in Jesus Christ alone. Now, we have candles, right? The candles symbolize Jesus as the light of the world that has come, who has come down and come to live as a human being in the birth of the incarnate Christ. Now, the reason that there's four outer candles is that is to represent the 400 years, the four centuries between the end of the prophet Malachi and then into the birth of Jesus. These, this 400 years of waiting and longing for the coming or arrival of Jesus Christ. And then we have in the center the Christ candle. Now the Christ candle is not to be lit until Christmas and it is just to represent Jesus. And that's one thing that's kind of fun about the 11 p.m. service on Christmas Eve is that we have a chance to light that when it actually strikes midnight at when it's actually Christmas Day. So it's a fun sort of thing when we have that, that time together. Now, you have uh, even the candle for today. Well, well, we'll light these others first. So we have the candle of, of hope, right? The candle of hope. 
We have the candle for peace. These are the two weeks we've already talked about. And today, we have this pink candle because the pink candle represents joy. Just in that the color represents joy in its symbolism. So that's where we're at today. We're at the candle of joy. And so I want us to look into the Word of God and to see where we talk about joy as we dig into God's Word and into the Christmas story. So please with me, turn to Luke chapter 1. We're normally used to looking at Luke 2's sort of the ultimate Christmas passage, right? In those days, you know, in the, in the days of Caesar Augustus, there's a census and all of that. It's like, it, it's so familiar to us. And then, but we look just before in Luke 1. And what you have going on here in Luke 1 is that you have uh, the, the birth of John the Baptist being prophesied. You have this whole thing where John the Baptist's parents... Zechariah or Zacharias, depending on which translation you're looking at, and Elizabeth. Okay, so you have Zechariah and Elizabeth. And she is barren, it says, that Elizabeth can't have children. And she's old, and she hasn't had kids yet. And Zechariah is a priest, and he has this awesome opportunity for him as a priest to go into the temple and to burn and light the incense. And as he goes in, Gabriel, the angel, appears to him. And, and says to him that all this is going to happen, that he's going to have a baby, and that they're going to have a baby, and that he says uh, in verse 14, you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. That's Luke 1, 14. You will have joy and gladness. And what those two words actually are, are two Greek words for joy, all right? Kara and agaliasis. Okay, now you've got these two Greek words for joy, and you've got, there's sort of more of a Hebrew thing, but we see it here in the Greek as well, where whenever you double up like that, it's for emphasis. Okay, it's a stronger emphasis. So they've got this, you're not just going to have a little joy, you're going to have a lot of joy. And then it says, and many will rejoice. And so just get that in your head as we're talking about joy. When you hear the word rejoice, that's just the expression of joy. The acting out, the sharing, the expressing of joy. And so we see that then many will rejoice. So this is, a, this is a pretty joyful thing that this son they will have who will become John the Baptist. And then it goes on and she does become pregnant. And then it goes on that Gabriel moves on from them and goes over to Mary and says, you're also going to have a baby and his name will be Jesus. And she takes this in, and then we see in verse 38, we'll start reading. Okay, Luke 1, 38. It says, And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, speaking of herself, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Remember who has John the Baptist now in her tummy. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. Why the baby leap? For joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And then Mary prays this beautiful prayer. My soul exalts the Lord. 
and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. So she finishes that prayer, and then it says, And Mary stayed with her, with Elizabeth, about three months, and then returned to her home. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. We'll stop there. And uh, we just think of this, this passage then, this passage where there's so much joy. Joy at the coming of John the Baptist. Joy when uh, Jesus in, you know, in his mother's tummy comes up and then there's just leaping and joy and blessings. All of that happening in this passage. Just such beautiful, I think, expressions of joy that we have here. Now, Uh, A verse that I've talked a lot about in this last season was uh, Nehemiah 8.10, right? Where it says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And that, that we somehow get strength from the joy that we have in God. And now just one little point I want us just to think about here with this is that if the joy of the Lord gives us strength, we must need strength for something or some reason, right? To me, there's this implication in here that there will be something hard, something beyond ourselves. There are times in our lives that are difficult. There are times in our lives when it's a trial or a struggle or painful or loss, or it means that God has something big for us to do and we need something beyond ourselves. And we find that strength in the joy of the Lord. Uh, now, now, one thing, I, uh, just an image I want to show you that is a picture of joy to me. And, uh, and Pastor Dave will say this is a little self-aggrandizing, but I'm going to show it anyways. And this is a picture of my home, okay? Uh, <laughs> this is a picture. Yeah, it's awesome. This is a picture of my house during Christmas. And to me, this is a, just a representation of joy, right? Where you've just got these lights that are full of cheer and childlike wonder. And, you know, it's fun, right? And, and I've even got the word joy written in my best Christmas light cursive on the roof, okay? And, uh, and so what's so cool is like you kind of come around the corner to my house, and it's dark on the street, and all of a sudden you're, whoa, hello, you know? And you're greeted with this joyful array of lights. And it's great. It's wonderful. Uh, you know, this is funny. I could have taken this picture this morning, but I actually took this a couple weeks ago, the next one. Um, but sometimes there's some storms and wind, and it looks more like this. <laughs> This is actually what it looks like this morning, even though I took this also a couple weeks ago when the winds came. And what I, I, what we just have to sort of, I think what this symbolizes for me just a little bit, and it's like, not that bad, okay, but uh, in reality. But what it symbolizes for me is that you can just 
like be full of this childlike wonder. Excuse me, sorry. You can be full of this childlike wonder and all of the awe of the beauty, but like also in moments you can have this. And for me, there's something in this that I think that the reason that joy persists, the reason that joy is still present in the storm, in the struggle, in the pain, is because of what's not blown over by the winds. And it's Jesus, right? Right there. The nativity has not ever fallen. And no matter what storms have come in my, my little, uh, little setup here. But what we have just for us to remember is that joy is not happiness, okay? Happiness is based on circumstances. Joy is based on Jesus. We have joy because of Jesus and the promises that he has made. And we can count on that. We can count on him. And so that's why in this Christmas season, we remember that our joy and our hope and the peace that we can receive, all of that is only found in him. And there will be times in life where we won't feel it. And we won't, it won't seem like it's there. It will be dark. But Jesus is always there. So let's Let's talk through this passage a bit, okay, as we think through joy. And one thing I think for us as we look through here is that we can share the joy that we've been given like Elizabeth does. She's pretty amazing, right? When you, when you look at this story, when you look at what happens here, uh, right away, just Mary comes in and just the sound of her voice comes in. And let's just leave aside this whole crazy thing about John the Baptist in the tummy for now, okay? But the first thing she does is just bless you, bless you, bless you. And she just heaps blessings upon Mary. Elizabeth's response is just to bless. And so she has this joy, this joy of just the coming of Jesus. She can't even see him. She's inside Mary's stomach, but she just heaps blessings, and I love that response. I love that her response is immediately to share the joy that she has in Christ's coming by just blessing others, blessing Mary. And I think that's, even for me, part of why the whole thing of giving at Christmas is, is so special. It's, you know, we, we think whether it's from the Magi, whether it's from uh, St. Nicholas, or whether it's some other crazy traditions, or is it from this, right, of, of why we give gifts. We can, we can have a lot of reasons. But I think for us here, this is part of it for me, that we want to share the joy and blessings that we've received. And we want to return that to others. That even um, God says in Genesis 12, he says to the people of Israel, as he talks to Abraham and says, you are my chosen people, and I will bless you. But I'm not just blessing you so that you can hoard the blessings for yourselves. I'm blessing you so that you can be a blessing to others. You are blessed, it says, to be a blessing. And so that's kind of the response that we want to have as we receive the blessings of the incarnation of Christ. We don't just hoard that for ourselves, but we share that, right? That we want to share the blessings that we've received. And that's, I think, what we're supposed to symbolize through the giving of gifts to one another. That we are supposed to be expressing that, that generosity, that love, that blessing to other people. And I think that sometimes Christmas doesn't really provide for us what we want it to provide. 
And what I mean is, I think that sometimes we look into the trappings and traditions of Christmas for joy. When what those trappings and traditions should do is point us to the reason that we have joy, right? But instead of like us really hoping to find them in the food and in the lights and in the decorations and in the family gatherings and all of that, and we're longing to find our joy in that, but it's like getting a kind of a fancy present and it's all decorated beautifully on the outside and has a tag that says joy inside, but then we open it and it's just an empty box because the trappings and the traditions aren't what gives us joy, but they point us to the one who does. And so that's maybe could be our expectation of the Christmas traditions, is that they would point us to that. Rather than us having sort of a, like a joy, what someone named Sarah Bessie, an author, uh, calls a joy mirage or a joy fantasy, that we think that we're getting joy from, from those things, but it's really just a, a mirage or a fantasy of what that true joy is. And so we want to look into, like, where, where do I find that true joy? I find it in Christ. And I want us to untap this, like, childlike joy, what I want to call the ultimate childlike joy of John the Baptist in his mother's stomach, right? Like, you cannot get younger than this, okay? You are—this is an unborn baby still in his mother's womb. This is the most— this, like, the biggest expression of childlike joy you could ever have in the world is what happens here, is that the sound of Mary's voice, even with sort of, in whatever that beautiful way a mother is connected to the baby in her womb, and then the sound of her voice just causes John the Baptist to just leap for joy. And I want us to tap into that somehow. And what's so cool is that we actually had a film crew there. Uh, you know, we, we organized this. Ryan Rail is pretty good. But um, back, you know, in the first century, you know, we had an ultrasound machine, kind of a time machine thing. And so I want you to see here on the screen what it looked like back then. Um, just ignore how it says Melissa Hansen on the top left. But, um, <laughs> no, but it's just fun. Check that out. Like, this is actually just, uh, I, you know, I joke, but this is just an ultrasound of a baby leaping in his mother's womb. And it's just so cool, I think, just to see, like, <laughs> look at that. It's like an image of what it could have looked like. That's what it could have been like. It's amazing to see, like, how can we have that kind of childlike joy just because of Jesus and his promises and who he is? And, you know, I think about Christmases when I was a kid and like the things I wanted to get most, right? I mean, you can think about when you were a kid, what was that thing you wanted most? I remember there was this G.I. Joe aircraft carrier that was like six feet long and you could, it was this incredible huge toy, but it was the thing I never got, you know? And I was like, ah, but I do remember getting the actual Millennium Falcon back in like the seventies when it was first Star Wars, right? And this huge Millennium Falcon toy and just being so excited about it. So think about what was that thing for you or whatever that thing is now and think about if how you would respond if instead of that, you got this.
<laughs> All right. That's <laughs> so good. Oh, man. Like, I just love this kid. These parents are evil, yet this kid is so excited. Uh, they're trying to play a trick on him, you know? And this kid then opens this banana and hugs it and does a happy dance and just starts eating it. I, I think of him eat, just eating it instantly. It's like when you, the kid gets the toy they really want, they don't move on to the next toy or the next gift to open. They start playing with it immediately. And if you're still at grandma's house, it's like, no, too many pieces. Don't open it yet, right? Like it's that kind of moment. And, and so that kid's just so pumped for that, that banana. Oh. But how, how can we you know, have that childlike joy from the message that hopefully we don't think of as old news, but good news, that Jesus, we find our joy in Jesus. And the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I think one thing that the enemy would want to do is to steal or kill the joy that we have simply in Christ, Right? I'm going to rob you of that. I'm going to make it old news. I'm going to make it seem like a repeat story every year. Rerun, boring, right? No, let's, let's get that rekindled, the, the joy and the excitement that we have in Jesus that just makes us want to leap. And don't worry, we're not going to make everyone stand up and jump. I thought about it, but no, no. Uh, but, it's, but that's the expression that we want to have. That's what should be happening in our hearts. But we also know that, you know, it's, it's not always just sunshine and rainbows and bananas that, uh, <laughs> that life is, is hard, right? It's, it's really hard. Sometimes there's great loss. Sometimes, you know, during this season, we think about those that we've lost. And it's just, ah, oh, we, we hurt. And maybe even right now, you're thinking of, you know, who's that, who's that person that you've lost? What's the conflict that's in your life right now that just it's taken the joy away, right? What's the, the nerves or the anxiety that you have about money this season or, you know, fulfilling expectations of others? There's all sorts of things that just get in the way, right? Ways that the enemy comes in to rob us of the joy that we have in Jesus one thing I want to point out for us is that we, you heard earlier about this longest night service, that we do have this, this service this Thursday, December 21st, is actually the longest night of the year. We have this service on that night because of what it is and just representing that, that longest period of darkness that we have. And in our lives, we have times of darkness, right, and struggle and hurt. And so we come— this Thursday, if, you, if you're feeling loss or you're feeling grief or anxiety or whatever that could be, hurt of some sort, and you just want to be able to reflect and, and, and give that over to Christ, just come this Thursday. If you can't come, do it wherever you are, right? Just have a chance to be able to kind of give those hurts over to Christ and to find that joy is beyond that. That it's joy is not just when everything goes right— But joy is actually, it's not a fake sort of a thing. Joy is actually because of the most true thing that there is. That joy affirms what is most true about who Jesus is. The redemption that that we have received through him. That we have been reconciled to God. 
Us as sinful men and women have been reconciled to a holy God because of Jesus. And that's why we have joy. That's true no matter what happens in our lives. And so joy affirms what is most true, not what's fake. And so we have this chance then to be able to remember Jesus and remember that he's the source of joy. So a couple of verses I want us just to, to focus in and look at here. Matthew five twelve, Words of Christ near the end of the Beatitudes. He says, you're going to be persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted. And then it says here, rejoice and be glad. Both those Greek words again for joy right here. Kara and agaliasis. And there's a little thing on the back of your outline, by the way, that kind of does like a deeper dive into some of those words and what they mean. Encourage you to study that a bit on your own um, later. So digging deeper. But rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We will be persecuted. We will experience persecution. And what does Jesus say? Rejoice and be glad. He doubles it up in the same way that John the Baptist is going to be born. You're an old woman who's been barren her entire life, and now you're going to have a baby. Rejoice in the same way that you would for that as you will for persecution, Jesus says, because your reward in heaven is great. That's incredible. John 15 This is just to set the scene is Jesus right before he's about to go to the cross. This is at the Last Supper with his friends, with his disciples. And he says to them, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And then it says, These things... I have spoken to you so that my joy, Jesus says, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So Jesus says, I want you to have this joy that's just overflowing joy because you have joy from me and in me, not in all this other stuff. I'm going to go die on the cross. And because of that, the next chapter, he says, you too have grief now. You're going to be sad. I'm going to go to the cross, and you will be sad. You will have grief. But I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. This joy can't be taken from you, because it's joy in Jesus and his promises. And it's, this is the joy that the angels speak of to the shepherds in the fields. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, the Messiah that you've been longing for for 400 plus years. That Messiah is here right now in the little town right over there. That's him, Savior, King, Messiah. Everything that you've been longing and waiting for has come. So have joy in that. Don't have joy in anything else. Because we can have joy in the wilderness, in our trials, in our struggles, because of God's promises, not our present circumstances. So we remember that. We hold on to that. We need these reminders for us, okay, to to hold on to all of that. And then what we do is express it. We get it out, and we get it out through worship and prayer. We rejoice 
Okay, that's what we do. We rejoice like Mary does. And so we look into that prayer. We look into that song, whatever that is, that Magnificat, we call it. And we read those words and we recognize that she is exalting God for who he is. For his might, for his strength, not her own. But she also rejoices because that mighty and strong God sees her, notices her, favors her, it says. I want you to know that the God of the universe knows you individually. He knows you and he loves you. Even though he knows you, he still loves you, right? He loves you, he notices you. And that, this prayer is just as true for you as it was for her. He, she's worshiping God because he cares for those in need. He gives food to the hungry, it says. And she rejoices because of how God has kept his promises to the people of Israel, to her people, and he also keeps his promises that he has made to us through what he has done through Jesus Christ, through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection, and through his ascension, and the giving of the Holy Spirit to us, that he keeps his promises. And so we have joy, and we express it. So in the best way we can to leap in our mother's womb, to leap here on this earth that holds us until we can go be with him in the new heaven and new earth and to spend eternity with him. We leap for joy because of who he is, not because of what's going on in our life right now, not because of the things that are great or because of the things that are hard. You know, Mary, (laughs) she, she says this whole beautiful prayer, this Magnificat, and then, you know, it says she stayed there for a few more months and then she goes. Right? And she's got to go back to the group of people who probably would be judging her, right? And looking down upon her for who she is as this pregnant, unwed woman. And then she's got to go take this journey, uh, you know, however it was made, but as super pregnant lady having to go all the way to Bethlehem. And that is not easy. That's hard. And she was called to something really difficult. And right when her baby's born, you know, all the babies are starting to be killed. And she has to flee to Egypt. Her life was not easy. Yet she worships and has joy and rejoices because of Jesus. Because the Messiah has come. And that's why we rejoice as well. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord makes us strong in the times when we're weak, in the times when God has called us to do something beyond ourselves, the joy of the Lord makes us strong. In the times when life seems like it will beat us to death, the joy of the Lord gives us strength. And I want us to recognize the truth that's in that, that when you believe that Jesus' love has overcome death itself, joy in the darkest of moments, is perfectly reasonable, okay? It's not some crazy thing to think that you can have joy in the dark times when you recognize that, that the love of Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection has conquered death and sin and that we have victory in all of that. And so we respond to that. We respond to that in worship. There's some things in your, in your uh, outline in the bulletin, in your notes there, that 
you know, ways that you can respond even this week to share, to encourage, to pray, to give to others. Like ways that you can meditate and reflect on all of that. But what I want right now is for us to reflect on how the joy of the Lord is our strength in all things. And so I'm going to play one last video, and it's a song. It's a, it's a music video from a band called Rend Collective. And it's uh, a band that we would sing some of their worship songs in our church. And they're actually going to be here this spring, which is kind of a cool thing. But they have a song called The Joy of the Lord is Our Strength that we have even, we've sung, I think, once here before. But uh, I want you just to reflect. Usually we reflect on a song that's, you know, somber and serious. This is reflect on a song that's a little more upbeat, but to see how the joy of the Lord speaks into your life. In the darkness I'll dance, in the shadows I'll sing, because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so we're going into going in a little time of worship here to sing, to praise. And I want to encourage you, the people in that video, they actually look joyful, right? They're excited because Jesus has come and that we have joy in what he has done. 
So we will have a time to sing. We'll have our prayer points open and available if you'd like to receive prayer. Because you know what? I can't until I get some prayer for this. And then I can stand and sing. Right? So let's, let's pray. Please stand with me right now. Let's stand and sing to God. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing out to Him. Almighty God, we thank you for the gift, the beautiful, amazing, wonderful gift of Jesus. That you, God, very God, put on flesh. You came to this earth and lived as one of us. And you lived the perfect life, Lord, and through your death and resurrection, defeated sin and death, Lord. And so we celebrate because our joy is in that and in our promise of being with you for eternity, God. So thank you because you are good, Lord. You are good. Your mercies, your loving kindness endures forever. We express, we rejoice to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.